are listening to Chugga Talk with Ryan Murphy, a podcast by Pull Across Made Simple. In this episode of Chuck a Talk, you'll meet Leslie Plant, a Canadian World Cup player. We discuss what has influenced her journey in polo cross, the challenges of leading a club, the importance of family involvement, her love of Australian stock horses, and more. Here on Chuck a Talk, the goal is to shrink the polo cross world by connecting people together, and most importantly, to provide education by interviewing players from all over the world. So listen closely and enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. Apparently, no one, no one can see a podcast, but if they could, they would see you drinking a Corona in solidarity, and I'm drinking a Bundy rum. Coke. Nice, and I would expect nothing less. This is the nice break well, from the nice break from manual labor. It's a very nice day here in New Hampshire. It's a beautiful day here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, as well. What's going on today at the farm? Not too much. We had our first little family practice yesterday, since the only people I can hang out with is Evan and Steve. So. <laughs> Thankfully, they're good company. Have you made one of those videos where everyone's throwing the ball to each other virtually yet? Well, sadly, I'd like to tell you that we have, but (laughs) I'm having a hard time having other people join in on it, which is kind of sad and disturbing at the same time. Oh, okay. That's all right. That's all right. They're busy with their whatever they're doing. Busy doing what? That's my big question. (laughs) Because if it's not fun and if it's not polo cross, what's the point? Agreed. 100%. Exactly. Thanks for doing this interview with me. I appreciate it. No problem. It. Look at I really did some nice hair for you today too. Uh, well, more, more stick outs than anything. Your hair looks better than mine, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was just covered in dirt. I was just covered in dirt. Oh. So Are you be... out farming? Yeah, I'm trying to prepare my field for some grass. It, it was uh, we had to take some trees down, so it's just a big dirt dirt mound at the moment. So I'm working the track. I did see your drone pictures. They were spectacular. It looks fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I do see a field in your future, though. You <laughs> a should, grass If field. anybody knows anything, just that drone shot. I'm like hovering around up there thinking, what is he talking about? That'd be a field for sure. Yeah, the horses don't need grass to eat. They'll just, we'll just give them hay. <laughs> of course. Fresh, for, fresh forage is not important. No, they can eat on the other side of the train tracks. Exactly. Just saying. If they can get over there, <laughs> the grass they is don't care where on they the eat. Side of the train tracks. Always. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me you have a train that actually does it? Is it active that train track? Yeah, just twice a day. At least it's not in the middle of the night, unless oh. it is. <laughs> All right, let's get to polo cross because this would be utterly boring if we just talked about trains and dirt. Hit me. Well, let's talk about well, let's talk about how we know each other. That's a pretty cool story. I mean, no no specific event, but we I met you at World Cup, right? You were in 03 and 07. Leslie is a yes, World sir. Cup player. That is awesome. You sure wouldn't know it these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were there. That's great. Yep. So we met each other there, yep. and then in 09, uh, a group of us went there. I went to went to Calgary, played in a tournament. I was subjected to the same parade that all the foreigners have to sit through i'm not much of a long trail ride person so i'm like how long is this parade how long does this thing go for (laughs) no it was i got to be in the calgary stampede parade which was phenomenal did that and i've been back how many times twice to coach once twice yep twice to coach yep 
and we've had a we had a very dramatic experience where my horse got loose uh, because of my fault, and uh, went on walkabout, <laughs> went on a run for about how many miles? Six months. Oh, a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the horse was actually running all the way home through the city. It ended up cops were stopping cars on the highway. Yeah. So that was a pretty good And this thing. coming from a man who supposedly went to pony club. <laughs> I thought, hey. don't take the bridle off before you got the halter on the horse somewhere. I thought that was kindergarten pony club. Well, standards are much lower. Just saying. And I was... <laughs> I was a graduate D3. I didn't know how to do polo wraps. There's a, I constantly get made fun of <laughs> makes fun of me for not know, knowing how to do my polo wraps way back when, uh, because I hadn't gotten to that point in Pony Club and I was waiting for my mom. He will not let that go. So <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so that's why I make waiting for my mom. That's why I make fun of him if when he's drinking White Claw because it's just not a very manly thing. It's this seltzer drink thing. Hopefully it's a it's It a does fad. seem popular down there. I'm not going to lie. It does what? seem popular. Is that happening to men up there? Well, I did catch mini plants, Evan, my son, drinking one last week. So I don't know what is happening these days. It, oh, it's just because of scarcity, I'm sure. Well, you know what? Of all the things that people are running out of, it seems hilarious that we're running out of paper towel, toil, to- toilet paper, hand sanitizer, but you can still buy booze by the semi-trailer full. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just to keep people happy and sedated, I suppose. Yeah, holding up the economy. Exactly. I am drinking Bundy, and Calgary is one of the few places in North America you can actually get it. I don't think the listeners under- realize. If you, if you live in Australia, don't take it for granted because we can't get it in the States. We have to mule it across the border, only in Calgary, not Eastern Canada, just because of, I believe, Banff and the skiers and all those, yeah. the Aussies are a big presence there. So Definitely. So, As okay. a professional mule, yes, yeah, I've muled it down <laughs> for you and Raul and... <laughs> <laughs> but you have your priorities, right? If you had only two bottles and there were all of us waiting on the other side of the border... Oh, trust me, I tried to donate a bottle to... Uh, I did manage to get it done, but I was very dangerously close. I knew I was taking my life into my hands, trying to hide that bottle from until the fundraiser for the World Cup a few years back. Oh, my gosh. He could smell it. I'm sure he could smell it on your... He can. He's like a truffle hunter, that one. (laughs) A truffle hunter. (laughs) That's a good one. That is good. For a guy that drinks White Claws and these seltzer drinks. All right, enough of that, because... I, I just made fun of him yesterday for it. So I, I need to space it out. <laughs> I really need to space it out. But this podcast is coming out in a few days. So yeah. All right. Hopefully he doesn't Next. listen to this one. If you're listening, we're sorry. <laughs> we love you. We um, still love you. <laughs> all right. So take me back. Like what year did you start playing pole cross? Well, oddly enough, I started right. Uh, this, I think I had a year and a half of training under my belt before I went to the first World Cup. So as I'm sure you can imagine, it was like a major throat punch because we were coming off our cold winter season. So I'm going to say I would have started at the end of 2001. Oh my gosh. And that was because I was exercising horses for somebody who played polo cross and they don't even play anymore, but I was exercising their horses and they were creepily watching me out the window and thought, hmm, that person can ride. (laughs) <laughs> and so asked me if I would come out and help them play polo cross. And I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> but I did because I played in a park within Calgary. They were short a player and we're going to have to forfeit their game. 
And so she called me randomly and asked me if I would come over if she brought me a horse. And I hopped on and that was it. I never stopped playing after that and still play. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah. you were, what, what was your riding background that made you so phenomenal in your first game? <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, I came from a pony club background. I used to see Dave and show jump. Very yep. loose, very loose Big. standards there too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, hey, oh, I know. I know to put the halter on before I take the bridle off. <laughs> All right, we'll just, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll edit that part out. You can make fun of me all you want. It's being edited. <laughs> <laughs> How rude. <laughs> so, ah. so Pony Club. Nope, and I, so I started playing, like I, I was in Pony Club for 10 years, and I tested for my B1. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then I was getting close to aging out, and I the and so I think I started three-day eventing and had a friend and she, her horse was killed on the eventing field oh, and she was dangerously close to, she didn't get hurt. She barely got a scratch on her, but it's, it, that was a bit of a fright for me because, you know, as you know, with your mom, your mom's always kind of on the sidelines doing the, oh, I sure worried about you. And I don't know if you should be doing that. And so I remember thinking, oh, well, I didn't really care. And then when that they had that horse accident, I was like, oh, wow, I really didn't see that coming. Oh, man. <laughs> and I kind of did. I took a bit of a sabbatical and I didn't ride. And I started riding when I went back. Like I judged a few horse shows and went back and I came back from a horse show and I watched the same family member. You know, they have the same five kids and yeah. the naughty pony. So the kids have all <laughs> gone through the naughty pony and the top ones are killing it at the upper levels. And the last one who's riding the little pony, the pony's putting the kid together. And I'm just sitting in the vehicle watching them, you know, judging them and thinking, get that dang pony <laughs> over that fence. Sweet mother of God, I'm going to have to get out of this car and do it myself. And I came home and said to my husband, who didn't know I was a rider, and said, I need a horse. I realized I'm missing riding, and I need a horse. And he went, um, no. He said, because we live in Alberta, there's millions of horses in Alberta. And he just said, um, go drive by and ride someone else's horse. They're not riding it anyway, because it's standing in the field. We see them all day, every day. Little does he know, if you can ride, and people find out you want to ride, everybody wants you to ride and so i was never home oh. and so he quickly had the hmm that backfired uh -oh. yeah because yeah <laughs> yeah you kept how long from him that you were a horse i mean this seems like something he didn't even know 10 years he didn't know like we met and got married and he didn't know i was a horse person oh it's like a sleeping and so, sleeping giant inside you just yeah. oh yeah that was you know what i can assure you that he definitely after that preferred the Gosh, why didn't I just get a wife who collected shoes, for God's sake? <laughs> because in order for him to find out how many horses I had, because I quickly start, ran a facility, and then I was boarding horses, and I was accumulating horses. We'd go camping or away with friends, and they'd say, how many horses do you have, Leslie? And yeah. my husband would look at me, and he would wait for the answer with, the, yeah, Leslie, how many horses do you have? Were you like looking mm. up to the right, meaning you're trying to think about how many you had? Or Yep. <laughs> Were you rescuing horses too? Like they couldn't even do anything? Oh, heck no. When people, <laughs> you should know this, when people know that you can ride yep. and they've got a horse, my aunt's cousin's brother's wife has a horse that I think will be really good at anything. <laughs> but I did screen them through for God's sakes. 
But I did flip through a lot of horses, as I'm sure you can imagine, where you kind of have that, now this isn't going to do it, redirect, redirect, redirect. And so I accidentally turned into a bit of a horse flipper until you land on the good ones. And then those ones just stay forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So were you, what were you doing at, like, what was your job at the time? And then how were you finding the time for this? I mean, what were you, how did it connect or was it totally separate? Do you know there, I was at that point, Evan was a wee little lad. My son, Evan, who's now 21, I still call him the wee lad, but he's, uh, yeah, you would die. I tried to get him to come in here so you could see him and he's like, oh, Ryan doesn't want to see me. I'll see him when we go down there because now he's all manly. (laughs) <laughs> but he was about three when I went to the first World Cup. And I I will tell you, riding other people's horses, man, that is sweet. Because if people really like you a lot and you ride pretty well, they just roll up to the field and they got a horse for you to ride because they want <laughs> their horse playing and in work, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, wow, that was way easier than now I have six horses. And it's like, I'm the one who's like basically getting them all ready. And here's the tack for this one. And here's the tack for that one. I'm like, yeah, it was way easier when you were riding OP. <laughs> other people <laughs> yeah who yeah. um who did you start with who were your who was like the initial crew of the calgary polo cross club oh my my girls were team like uh jackie MacArthur and pam bergen yeah and both of them do not play anymore which is heartbreaking and i still try to drag them out jackie MacArthur, probably everybody knows MacArthur stud farms and she's breeding stock horses which right. happened while we were at the world cup Right. And so that was kind of always in the back of her mind was to start bringing stock horses. And that, that was the beginning of the end, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. we came back, like we managed to pull off. Jackie came with 2003 and 2007. Both we played, did both those World Cups. And then Pam was able to do 2007 with us. And then as soon as everybody got back, Pam adopted a couple of girls and she didn't play anymore because they were two and three years old and Jackie started breeding horses and doesn't play anymore. Mm. So I'm a loner. I'm a lone wolf floating around as the old lady who can play pole across. <laughs> <laughs> but you did have some international influence, right? So like Marianne was, was training horses. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We've had lots of people over like every year we've got at least three people over from somewhere or other. The highlight for me with Polo Cross is the fact that like you and I, these international relationships are just spectacular. Like I can, anytime I feel like going somewhere, I'm thinking, unfortunately, <laughs> my husband, now my husband plays. So now it's really easy so that you've got something to look forward to with your wife, because now it boils down to, um, let's go on a vacation. Okay. Let's see if they play Polo Cross in insert country here. And off we go. Like it, it's really small nowadays. Like we went to Steve turned 50 and we went to Scotland and they actually won the lottery to play St. Andrews. I got to go and play Polo Cross and he was jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Well, see, I just went on honeymoon to Australia and I said, hey, babe, I'm sorry, but we're close enough to Maitland and my friends and, and we just didn't have the time. So we were just there at, yeah. in Sydney, so close to all these people. Yeah. That's probably the last time she'll get away with a trip that doesn't involve pull across. Yeah. But yeah. So the, the, the doors just open up. Oh it's my unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, even after your second clinic here, you invited us down there to for Evan to come and play at your uh, Ryan Murphy PMS <laughs> camp right and Evan had a blast and I mean it that is the key right like Jesse Spark who 
Yeah. Now, you know, just was Jesse Reed. We went up to her cabin out in the middle of nowhere. I've been there really in North Carolina. Scary. <laughs> yep, you gotta you gotta bury your your stuff. You had yeah. to and so yeah. It's lovely because we've got to come and stay with you. I spent a month down in Texas in 2015. And, oh, man. And so I'm hang, I stayed at Paul and Susan's place. I oh, hung oh out with Robbie. Like, it just is, it's very small. And you're just, I everywhere I go, you just kind of hang out. Like, if I'm going somewhere, I want to go hang out with my Paul Cross friends. Right. I've, unfortunately, probably... People who are really, really intense and into polo cross understand that those relationships that you hang out, my friends are polo cross people. And I find it funny where I might as well be at a wedding or something with strangers where I have to pretend to be somebody else when I'm with my other friends that don't play polo cross. It's like, oh, isn't that lovely? Oh, yes. Oh, I do love that. That is spectacular. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, how much longer do I have to be here before I can go home and go riding or go hang out with people who are like minded? Yeah. And it might be a I think it's an addiction. Right. And (laughs) it's an addiction. (laughs) Yeah. Like if I like it's so funny because your friends, your polo cross friends on Facebook, at least mine, the only shirts they wear are from tournaments. It is hilarious. <laughs> they like you see someone in an Irish jersey, or I mean, they have no other shirt. Yeah. Like they don't ever have to buy shirts. Nope. It's like it's nope. a, it like it's a, one of those things that I don't think people realize. But yeah, horse. Much of my life has yeah. been guided by polo cross and where I went yeah. to college. I'm o- I would have been happier if I was if I had started playing earlier. But I just wasn't exposed to it. And in Canada, it's very small. So I just wasn't exposed to it. Right. So you guys are lucky because you at least got to start like Evan when you're young. And that makes a big difference. Right. So right. Let, let's get to that 2003 World Cup. And like, what's my excuse? Because I had been playing at that point for 14, yeah, 14, 15 years. You had been playing a year and a half. And what was your first game? I mean, we played Australia. New. New Zealand. Oh my gosh. Well, any team. I swear to God, it was absolutely mind boggling. My brain almost exploded because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is not what we're playing at home, <laughs> boys and girls. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like a, it's why, like that a was a rude awakening. You're just oh, sitting yeah. in a beehive watching other people and you're like, okay, what am I going to do now? Like, it, oh, they just scored. Oh, yeah. up too late. And yeah, it's Ryan, 35 to zero. That is a major arse kicking. I swear to God. And we, of course, you have four. So, of course, I was playing the two in that first, in the first chuck of that first game. And I walked off the field and I was, well, the person who was talking to me was dangerously close to getting throat punched because <laughs> she said, I think it would be more effective if you, and I don't even remember what she said because I was thinking, really? Do you think it would be more effective if I did something? And yeah. so as soon as she had to go on to the next chaka and she came off and went, holy cow. I was like, how was that for you? I said, did it feel like you were doing something? <laughs> well, I, I, I think that people, uh-oh, I drink just overflowed. I, I think that in Canada, similar to the U.S., I know that we've been playing longer, but to get to your closest tournament, you're driving forever. Right now, oh, you're yeah. traveling how far to get to the closest, like 13 hours to get to the States? Yeah, we've been playing in Bozeman, Montana yep. at Big Sky. And they are, it'll take, takes us tw- 10 or 12 hours to get there. Yeah. And I- which, ha ha ha, isn't too bad. <laughs> I know. I don't think people realize. And so it's it's 10 hours for me yeah. to go to my closest tournament. There's no pole across here. Yeah. But yeah, you just don't get to play 
tough competition. You're already the, the big no. fish in, in a little pond. That was Oh, I am that. not a big fish anymore. I'm like grandpa fish. <laughs> I guess grandma fish. <laughs> Everybody's still scared of me, but they could I think that's the only thing that holds me any ground is that they're still scared of me, but they can take me now. They're half my age for the love of God. <laughs> Those damn kids. Those Them damn, damn kids are like nasty flies. <laughs> On top of that, at a World Cup, I found that these horses are better than we are, like five times better than we were. Especially when I played in other countries, I felt like the horse was running away with me. But no, they were just playing their game and we just weren't used to yep. it. And so you had to just get yeah. out of their way, get your hands out of there uh, off the bit and just let them do their yeah. thing. They're not, they know what they're doing. So I rode some phenomenal horses. In 03, I got to ride this big black beast named Zach, uh, lent by uh, Brad Cooper. Yep. Phenomenal. I'm Oh my gosh, that was such an awesome, like, so do you remember any of your horses in those World Cup? Yeah, in 2001, I rode Gus, and that was owned by the McAllister family. And the vet who was vetting everybody out all the time, like she came on along to the side of the field, and he was, according to them, to them oh, he was 14, and that's old. Like they consider <laughs> that a pretty old horse, right? Yeah. And so they said, wow, this horse is probably the fittest horse on the field. So they, they did a phenomenal job of getting that horse ready. But he was lovely to ride. Like he was so handy and so awesome. Like I, you know, I would, I would have just stuffed him in my suitcase and brought him home. Even that old guy at fourteen. Ah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that I, this is going to be uh, work in your favor. But how, I mean, how did it go with the selection of who was riding who? Because I know that these horse, you're, you get on for the first time. You're trying to pick the right position to the right horse, but some horses are yeah. just too much for some people. So which yep. one? And so so which one did you end up on? If you could describe that horse that you that Gus. Do you know what? I didn't even once I rode him, I just wasn't giving him up. Okay. There was no there was no changing horses. There was okay, completely selfish. No. You didn't know what he just cut? Yep. Because the second time when Charlie Grills was, you know, he was taking care of us. Everybody kind of got their horses. And we rotated through the horse. So it was very different. Yeah. So for the first one and the second one. And so the second one, I I got to ride Warwick Frazier's one of his horses. Oh, my which gosh. Was was funny, right? Because as you know, the he's in the bar, running the bar in the clubhouse. Right. And I'm riding his horse under the field. I ended up with two gray horses. So his gray horse, I can't remember what his name is. And Warwick will probably want to punch me out. But I can't remember what his name is. Uh, but oddly enough, we were playing against South Africa and thank God, thank everything that I was riding that horse of works because the reins came unclipped. Uh oh. That's why you don't ride and clip on reins, boys and girls. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was horrible. I could not even, my brain almost exploded as if I didn't have enough problems going on playing against South Africa to have that happen. Oh I'm my thinking, gosh. I just went and it's like, you're just pulling like the clown, <laughs> like, you know, because I marked up really hard and I'm like, I'm pulling clown scarves and then I find the buckle of the rain. I was like, oh, <laughs> 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 and my coach and the manager are standing at the end zone and they're staring at me with, what? and I could see the look on Charlie Grill's face, you know, his, his kind words that he'd be saying, basically, what the heck are you doing out there? And I've got this grimace on my face and I'm rattling the reins up in the air. And he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I, you know what I did? I just put the, just gave this horse a shot in the ribs and it shot out the back line with the whole audience screaming, get out of the blank and end zone. Oh, just so much ranting and raving. And I just, that horse shot right out the back. Charlie got the, got the reins back on. And of course I got in trouble. She had, our manager was Sarah Grill and she had changed all those clip on reins. And somebody had put them back on. Oh. And we didn't notice when we were getting the horses ready. Fool me once, shame on whatever, yeah. I was just really happy I was on that horse because I could have been on a really strong horse and I could have been in Perth. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't be the first person who got run off with a polo cross horse off the field. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, for me, that was just definitely a very intimidating, it's a shock. I mean, it's just something that I, you know, you have to travel internationally to get better and it's just tough. But being yeah. at these events, it's, it's, it's a great experience. But for you, I can't even imagine just a year and a half in. Oh, it was horrifying. That's, I mean, that's the best word to describe it. It was horrifying. You all were much better at the next World Cup. I can tell you in four years, uh, you gave us a run in that last game. Dang it. <laughs> I thought we had that one, Ryan. Son of a beehive. That was a real downer for me. What, what was that's that? for you. <laughs> what was that young guy? What was it? What was your one's name? He was really good. Chris Miller. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he yeah. was really. He talented. doesn't play anymore either. Uh oh. So annoying. Yes. Did he read his contract? Like they go out the top. No, I still chase him and hound him every opportunity I can. Yeah, we had. He, you know what? I used called him my bitch wife when we were there in Australia because <laughs> he was also my roommate. And so everybody there called him BW. <laughs> and on my phone, he still pops up as BW. And I'll just send him a text every once in a while randomly. <laughs> yeah, it was, we had, we had fun, but it was, yeah, that was a, both of them were really fun, but it was very intense. I will tell you having the opportunity to go back and watch it. It's very interesting because I went with people who now play and they're a family that now plays and talking about that if only they would have done this and if only they would have done that and I quickly like my husband knows when to exit stage left (laughs) and that's one you do not want to get into that conversation because I said never in your life and I hope you never do where you will have to go basically into the most horrifying thing (laughs) Waiting to see what's going to happen because I'll tell you some that was a pretty new team for you guys. Robbie's an old veteran, but that was a bunch of new players. And trust me, I can assure you they walked into this battle or war with the oh dear, (laughs) what have I signed on for? And it is very intimidating and it's very scary. Right. Right. And so I said, you don't even know how you would react under that kind of pressure. And when you're that nervous and scared and freaked out, you don't even know. And hopefully you never end up in a game that intense. Right. And, <laughs> and I, I've experienced those games where you're, you're against a, a really, I mean, obviously anyone was, we were closer with like with Ireland or the UK. We've always been so, sort of close with them. The games against Australia, South Africa, when you're just getting your butt kicked, it just gets worse. I mean, it's just, it, it doesn't, it's not like you make a, a, a significant change in the middle of the game. No, you're just, it just stays no. the same. Uh, in 2011, we made it to the top four somehow. Phenomenal um, team. And we, we had to play Australia. And I almost cried after that game because they whooped us so oh, bad. Wow. Just, they really just put on a whooping. They're just like, okay, yeah. 
welcome to the top four, but you're still the U.S. of A. You have not seen this kind of professionalism, this kind of competition. So here, let me yeah. put you in your place. They even did an overarm at the very end just to taunt us or just to be funny, I guess. Now they're probably doing it more. They probably did it at the next two World Cups. So I've been there. I can't, I mean, that's, a, yeah. I appreciate you telling that story because I just want to give perspective for, for the other countries out there that maybe they don't have this type of, you know, lack of competition and they're an older country or something like that. But it definitely, I don't know, it, it'd be, it, it's easier to get better incrementally than going straight to the top. Oh, yeah. But did you, yeah. do, you do you think you changed anything when you went home from that experience or there's, or it's really just a one? Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I mean, I'm at the point now, the people that we were playing with when we left into the first World Cup were, and I don't know how to kindly and gently put this, but they were older. So they probably were my age now, right? And you're trying to slow the game down, slow the game down, slow the game down. And of course, we all come back from the World Cup. I'm like, oh, that is not what's happening. (laughs) You need to be thinking... 27 times faster than you're thinking right now, you need to be way faster. So even in their version of slow down, it's like I'm walking and they're galloping. Right. Right. The difference is so. And then when we went to this year's World Cup to watch, which, by the way, is a lot less stressful. I'm sure. Simply watching it. (laughs) Yeah. But the level of play this year was or like in this past year that just went by actually just blew my mind. It would have taken everything to get me on the field because I would have been so freaked out and nervous. The play was absolutely exceptional. Yeah, it's hard. It was hard for me to to listen to 15 with no video and then to watch 2019. I mean, I, I can't imagine just going. I, in 2011, it was all business, right? Through the whole World Cup. That's how, that's what you experience. You really can't oh, relax. Yes. And no. uh, we, we had like a half hour, 45 minute drive back to our where we were staying in, in the UK. I don't think our refrigerator worked, so all my everything I had, I ate, and like my yogurt, oh, it was gross. But I was so tired after that last game that I went back, showered, had a din- had a had a meal at a pub, and I was just done. But that would have been the night to really let loose, and I was just I was just done. I just couldn't. Yeah. So it's so different than just a social tour, and I think that I've learned that. As as a as a player, you get more from playing, really integrating yourself with other, you know, people in other countries, one or two at a time, compared to just going mm-hmm. as a full team, because yeah. that way you get the experience from others. Have you done much of that other than the U.S.? Have you gone over and played or had the opportunity to do that? Said you went to Scotland. Yeah, uh, we went to Scotland, but I was just went to a little practice and hacking oh, okay. about with them. Yeah, so it wasn't. I got to just chuck the ball around and have some fun. You know, they got, they only have a practice field like Scotland. I laugh because they, they're really funny and they've got a lad, like the people I stayed with, they they have a lad who probably will end up playing with UK at the world cup next time. Like he was coming up fast when I was there and he had made a bunch of, but he wasn't the right age, I think at that point, but I suspect we'll see him up and coming. And I laughed because we were talking about the weather and stuff and, they said, oh, God, if we didn't play when it wasn't raining, we would never play. How would you ever play? <laughs> yeah. But it also, when you think of it, like their horses, because it does take, there's a little bit of talent. And I mean, you guys would be the same in the States where you're a little bit more fair weather players, right? Right. Where when you're traveling 13 hours, it's like, it's on. And if you haven't practiced in the rain, your yeah. horse doesn't know how to play pole across on roller skates. Right. Right. So it. <laughs> It takes a bit of practice to get your horse to do that. I figure the UK and 
and Ireland and those types of places, they're probably more effective because they're used to riding in that really slippery footing too, right? Right, yeah. But that really, I came home and like like where we were staying, we were in Scotland, and I thought, boy, that's spot on. But yeah. of course you would have to play in the rain and you would never be able to play. You probably, rains every day probably at some point. Yeah, in 98, I uh, went on an under-21 team to Australia. It was the New South Wales Exchange. And we played the under-16s um, at, at Maitland. And these horses, it was wet. It was muddy. These horses were just full-on, didn't even think twice. They were just sliding around. And they were, yeah. these, these under-16s were whooping us as the under-21s. I remember that. These horses didn't matter. Didn't matter how wet it, no. muddy it was. They they kept themselves up. They you know survival right. They just but they were used yeah. to it and they weren't gonna stop the game because of it. Yeah. And and you know those fields might be more like better suited for yeah. Here we do have a place in North Carolina, Pinehurst, which has a ton of sand. I don't know if you've played there, but it could rain. I haven't, but I mean to get down there for sure. It could just rain a ton and you'd be fine because it's just in sand. But the game must go on and they're not going to cancel. And so that's cool. So you went to Scotland. Have you played with people in the States yep. or did you always just play with your crew? When, you when we came, I'm trying to think. I, when I came, I played in Waldemar in 2015 and I played with a couple. One girl from the East Coast, Julie Nair. Okay. She's a young girl. I'm not sure. I think she's off at university. I don't think she's playing anymore either. Okay. And another fella who moved from Florida to Texas. So I played just mixed in with them. And that was, I believe that was Prissy who okay. set that team up, I think. Okay. And when I've played in Florida, I've been down for those like more social exchange, you know, like the adult quadrangular or something like that yeah. and man we had fun holy <laughs> was that at jamie's cow. place jamie zito yeah. yeah twice yeah twice they had it down at jamie zito's and it was it was so much fun holy moly like i could get take a hundred people from canada to go down there and play <laughs> <laughs> yeah the adult quadrangular, because it's yeah. fun oh exactly. yeah we yeah did two of them it was so fun holy but they had a couple of um like there's a couple of kiwis that have been over a lot like the Zelinskis, and you probably might know the Zelinskis. They got a couple of young girls now that are playing, and I suspect those young girls are going to be hitting the World Cup circuit here soon. Yeah, but they're uh, they're doing really good. And Craig Zelinski was over at one of those adult uh, tournaments as well, and he I called nicknamed him the Wall. Like he is a big giant fella, like <laughs> a big fella. I don't know how mm. tall he is. I'm in my mind, he's like about seven one or something like that. <laughs> and on a horse because uh, it was supposed to be for fun. And so everybody decides, well, not everybody. I was not in this decision-making. Oh, let's uh, let's rotate around, because it's supposed to be for fun. Let's rotate around positions. I'm like, I am not playing the one against the wall. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what happens. Okay, Les, you're the one. I'm like, I am not playing the one against the wall. <laughs> and so I saw him again at the World Cup this year, and it just cracked me up when I'm with Evan. I'm like, that's the wall. <laughs> I haven't met. I have not met the wall. I have not met yeah. the, the, the Zelensky. I left him with a number three, a red number three from Canada. I'm just like, the next time, here you go. You're playing with me. <laughs> yeah, if you can't beat him, join him. Exactly. I, yeah, I have this story I always tell. In 99, when I started playing full across with Lone Star in Texas, where I was going to school because I had to go to university where there was pull across, at the very first practice, Prissy and Martha Poldrack, or Pr Prissy Rummel, Martha Poldrack, you know, sisters of Paul 
Johnson. They said, I am so sick of my brother. I am sick of playing against him. And so if he, <laughs> if he was the two, I was the two. If he was the one, I was the three. And um, oh. they just put me up against him. And yeah, so it made me tougher. But yeah, I just remember that that experience going against going against Paul. Oh, I've had to play against Paul. He is a bit of a menace, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's a he's very yeah. Yep, he's tough. He's a tough player. He's definitely a tough player. He sure so, is. So tell me about leading your club because I know that you. I mean that that's what you do. You're the club leader, and you get you keep people engaged. And I can see why that you're there so engaged because you're so funny and there's alcohol involved. But <laughs> no, how do you how do you keep people engaged and how, like what what is your social scene there and how do you keep people going with polo cross? Well, you know what? To be honest with you. It's like everywhere. I talked even to New Zealand and it's, it's a, there's a fine line. It's a very, it's a tricky balancing act because you have the people who are want to be really competitive. And then you have the people who want to do it because it's a family sport. Doesn't mean they're not competitive, but there's a whole bunch of different aspects of what is involved in this, right? There's people who just right. do it socially just for fun. And there's people who eat, sleep and breathe it like me. Right. And trying to balance that is the tricky part, right? Right. Because I believe that at first and foremost, it has to be fun. Yep. It's got to be fun because nobody is going to play there. Nobody's going to do anything that isn't fun. Right. Right. Like if you started the, your sales pitch with, would you like to come and do this? Um, <laughs> We're basically going to war, which is why I tell people, don't sell the grudge match. This is not a beneficial thing. It's not a good thing. <laughs> Would you like to go with me and my friends into war against this other gang? The and you get to decide whether you're, it's a gang war. You get to be a, in your blue uh, kerchief or your red kerchief. But we're fighting those other guys. I'm pretty sure every person is going to go, I don't have any interest in fighting. I thought we were just running around chasing the ball about. Right. So I'm kind of pushing the bottom in. You know as well as I do that they, the cream naturally rises to the top. That's a reality. Somebody right. says very, who's got very, Steve was very good because he played hockey. And those people who are positionally very good, if they can ride, holy, like they they snap on really quick, right. right? So I just think if you're building the bottom, whereas you've got other people that are constantly wanting to showcase only the top, but the, it makes it inaccessible to the guy next door who has three horses and his family all rides. Because now they just look at it and it's very difficult and they're too scared to try it. Right. So it's, I think it has a lot to do with making sure there's a lot of fun, which I'm like you, everything's a lot of fun, right? right? Yeah. It depends on your personality type, if every, you know, and so I like to make sure that everybody has a lot of fun. And there's a, one event in Canada that I really support and we, our club does put a lot of money toward it, but it's a big equine fair and we do showcase it at the top. Like we do the, you know, I get the best people, our club does it and, I usually have somebody, I had Dory Johnson in it one year and boy, you can get those people going because you can just get them because I stay on the microphone and I just kind of get the crowd going a bit. And it's a huge, like there'll be 2,500 people in the stand. Oh, really? And you're just, oh yeah. And so I just get them going with, I'll make, I'll make them whoever ride in their USA jersey and the other guys ride in the Canadian jerseys and just chase each other around and beat the smithereens out of each other. <laughs> and the crowd's cheering and clapping. It's like, oh, get it, get it. <laughs> and so I figure that's a that is an equine fair. So it's right. all riders. 
we have done it at the Calgary Stampede, which I know Warwick Frazier had said, gosh, Leslie, you should be in the, doing it at the Stampede. Well, that's fine, except a big fair isn't full of riders. It's right. full of grandmas and my mom, you know, they're not riders. So they're like, oh, I saw the neatest thing today. And it's right. like, well, they're not hopping on a horse and going to go and try it. Right? I, I, I had but a they dog. enjoyed watching it. I had a deep fried Oreo at the Calgary Stampede. So there's there's those people. <laughs> there's those people there for the Oreo. You do these big equine, you do these events. Does yeah. anything ever come out of it? Because I haven't had a very good experience with it. How do, you, how do you translate that into actual interest? That's tough. You don't see it until down the way. I'm not going to lie. Because trust me, I have a, there's a lot of naysayers here too. And the main event is the only place where I've seen people. I have a couple of people that came out of there because they saw it at that thing. They did not go and quickly start right away. Because you know as well as I do, backyard Brenda doesn't have a horse trailer yet. She doesn't have a horse trailer. And there's a lot to switch over in order to do this. And so it does take them a bit. So I did come across a girl who now has her own like small club, but up in Northern Alberta, but that's where she saw it. So as soon as we did something up at her end, she was right there. She rented a horse trailer and came and tried it out and that's it. She turned into me and she's totally addicted. And you just let those people kind of go because they will teach people how to do it and they'll show people how to, and she's at all the, she's because you get new legs, right? When you're starting out, you get new legs, right? And so they, have the I'm taking my rackets to uh, the tack sale so people can see the sport. Good. The more exposure, the better, right? Right. And unfortunately, it really is just exposure. That's what it boils down to. And people, you know, the people who don't support the main event up here, they want to do all these things in an in a riding arena with the same idea, right? That people ride in a riding arena. Well, if you privately book the riding arena. Those people can't be at the riding rain anymore. Oh. So they still don't see your sport. Right. right. So it has to be something that they can that they can actually see it. Right. And so that main event works well. It also has um, exposed like we now have players kind of in we're working our way over to you. Is my point. <laughs> we're heading the other way. And so we've moved over to Saskatchewan, which is above the east end of Montana. Okay. Right. And so you can head down, get closer to Minnesota. Those guys are closer to Minnesota over there. And those guys saw it at the main event as well. And she, had, she runs it in Pony Club. Oh. So, but they don't come out. Same thing. I didn't even tell them about the gang wars. <laughs> right. But they, it, trying to get, if people are in 4-H, I think you guys have 4-H down there. Yeah, you? we do have that. Yep. So it's recognized in 4-H and it's recognized in Pony Club. And so trying to find a weekend when it lines up for them to come and play right. when they're not rodeoing or show jumping or three-day eventing is almost impossible. Right. So I'm still in the process of trying to make what I'm going to call, and I'm still working on it with the 4-H challenge because all my husband goes and I teach a lot of clinics too, and my husband gets stuck or everybody I know gets stuck helping me to go and do these things. And so I took them up to this in the middle of nowhere in northern Alberta and with 42 students and I'm there for three days. And then on the Sunday night, they like, they lay out the tournament and then the parents, cause those rodeoers, they can oh, ride like holy yeah. mole. Cause yeah. they can effectively chase a cow 
and get on top of it. Holy, they are on fire. And so I kept trying to tell my husband that. And I watched these ladies at the end, they let everybody go. And it's just like, bonk, they kicked their kids off their horse, their 4-H horses, like, I'm doing it. Give me that, you know, they're trying to wedge helmets on their head. And my husband just about fell off his horse because he was like, holy cow. He's like, why are those people playing polo cross? I'm like, because they rodeo. Right. Right. And that you would have the same thing in with polo, right? Yeah. When you've got the polo, people can get um, grants and things like that and schooling and right through polo. But there's no money in polo cross. You have to do it because you love it. And that does take away, right? Because so people who rodeo can get money and people who polo can get money. Right. Yeah. And when Mm -hmm. I way back in probably 89, nine, I was, I was nine years old. The, the district commissioner DC from my pony club, (laughs) uh, the the DC brought home rackets from festival where there was a demonstration done. And so my sister and I are just, the meeting's going on and my sister and I are are like in the dark throwing the ball around and that's all it took. We got it going. My dad got involved just to help us get it going. And we, we, there was luckily there was a club in in Warwick, which was up in New York, uh, on the border of New York, New yep. Jersey, and we played them, the other pony club. It's those people that just want it that will do it. It's not even hard yep. to get them going. Yep. You just find a couple yeah. of families and it's done. They're done for good. Yeah. Um, it's just keeping those other people engaged. And I've found that there's this level of, okay, we're going to go out there. We're going to war. We're going to have fun though. But sometimes I find that if it's not safe, then some people will say, oh, this is, this is too much. So yeah. how do you, I don't, I don't know, in practice, I mean, how do you balance that out? Because you obviously don't want people getting banged around because they're not going to stay around. No. So do you no. Do you, do you find yourself umpiring very tough at practice? And I don't know, at least at the lower levels and let them play a little bit at the higher levels? Or I'm pretty lax, but if it's a safety thing, oh, it's priority. Like that's fixed immediately that right. you can't do this. And I'm not going to lie. Like I have a funny story. <laughs> I'm not sure how appropriate it is, but you can edit it out if it isn't. No. And I had this fella who was just guns a-blazing. Like he was, he had played polo. And I think, I'm not sure if he was allowed to play polo anymore, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Like, that horse was like a battering ram. And he chased people, and he would switch sides, like, endlessly, or weave in front of them, or weave behind them, never ending. But going as fast as he could, like a crazy person, right? That's the best way to describe it. And I was just like, I soon was not umpiring any other games. I'm now watching this guy, because I'm thinking, what are you doing? So I would stop. (laughs) I'm like, you understand that if you started on the right side of the horse, pretty much you're not going to gain by going around it. You might as well stay on that and wait for your other player to come and help you or whatever. Right. And so, because you can only do it in a safe distance. By the time you've done a safe distance, there's a possibility you're not going to get up to that horse again. So I'm trying to explain this very normal. Right. That did not, it didn't work. So finally, I just started chasing him down the field and I would be riding behind him with my whistle in my mouth, just waiting for him. And I finally just said, I just said, stop. I said, do you understand what I mean? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He was just like a Jack Russell, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so I just said, I said, I'm going to blow the whistle as soon as you're going to change. Okay. So I started, I, it didn't make any difference, made no difference. Finally, I just yell at the top of my lungs because now he is up and he's trying to wedge between the two horses that are marked up. He's tried to wedge behind them. And I said to him, if you don't stop, you're going to end up 
right inside of that horse. <laughs> and even that didn't work. I blew my whistle and I just finally just yelled, stop. That's it. I said, you have, are only allowed to ride on one side of the horse. Decide what side you want to ride on. Because nobody would play with him. They wouldn't right. play with him. They wouldn't play against him. He, did, he doesn't play anymore. Yeah. But I said, you're going to end up in that horse's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know that you've hit rock bottom. When you, as an officiate, that's what you yell at somebody. Right. Yeah. It's only to get their attention. Yeah. That yeah. is. And I yep. could tell that he was like, huh? Yeah. You had I'm to. I'm like, look where you are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I always find that good coaching gets people started and then good umpiring keeps them in it because there's just, yep. um, yeah, yep. so that that's super important. So that's why I'm focusing. Well, that's why in our country, I'm trying to get really focused on the umpiring, get that going again. Um, we haven't been certifying for a while. We're just really trying to, you know, do right. Yeah, the umpiring is so tricky and I'm sure you would agree. Like when you're watching because I'm trying to low-level umpire with the don't do this and don't do that. And then they're watching the best of the best and they're doing it. Because trust me, I heard that from that guy. Well, they switch sides. So then it's like, <laughs> how can I possibly explain this? That that you are not at that level. You right. are not able to do that. You cannot do that. Like, yes, they do. They check their horses onto the haunches and switch directions. You know that. But that is not what you're doing. And I know in your imaginarium, it feels like you are. But that is not what you're doing. Right. So it's hard because if you let it go in the low levels, then it's in the high levels. But then there's only, let's say, three people who can do it effectively at the high level. We're switching without being in danger. Right. Right. So then you can end up just consistently, like if if that particular fight fella was in a game, now you're whistle stop, 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 whistle stop through. It, your six-minute chuck-up is now one and a half hours long because right. not for one second did he ever pick up what I was trying to get him to stop doing. Right. Well, right? So now you have that guy. So what do you do? Do you kick him out or do you well, just let it roll on? Well, I've seen um, this happen in Australia a long time ago. When they started giving – actually, we're starting to give two free goals for a wild swing. And so you, you escalate it from, okay, this is the normal penalty. Well, now it's a free goal. And see what happens. Yeah. Does he change from at yeah. that point? If not, um, in polo, they have like a flagging system where you can get thrown off, you know, like soccer, yeah. like yellow flag, red flag, and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you kind of have to go to the extreme and see if that affects them. But and it's sad because this polo person would have been great, but they just couldn't get past. I mean, they just they had the horse. They had the. But. Yeah. Well, the, and that's it. Sometimes there just is no real understanding. And when you're watching the high people, higher grade players play, it is pretty fluid for the most part. You do get the, you know, you do get that all that other stuff and the dangerous ankles and the hard hits and the, you know, wild that, swings. Yeah. Lots of wild swings, right? Like <laughs> there's probably more wild swings than anything. Probably wild swings and crossing, they're probably pretty comparable, right? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But... And then followed close closely on the tail by dangerous angles. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And for for the most part, I mean, there's enough speed that you're not so you're not crashing and bashing in much and it becomes more of a finesse game. All right. So tell me about let's talk about horses. I'm sure you like talking about horses. You've got stock horses now. So what horses did you start off with? I'm a I'm all the way thoroughbred gal. Yeah. So off the and track they're very popular here. Yep. Yep. So you have a I racetrack? lucked out my good one that you got to play. Yeah. Uh, Suki, which I have since lost, which oh, was heartbreaking sorry. for me. Sorry. And um, she 
was ready to start on the track. And then fortunately for me, she got an abscess, her foot and missed her start. So then she was a year behind. Uh And so they just decided to sell her. Same thing. I had met these people and I still to this day still know this lady that I meet at the main event. And now they pay attention. They contact me because they know what I'm looking for. Right. So because the small thoroughbreds are the ones that they are trickier to get rid of, right? Because everybody thinks that to do jumping, you have to have a 17-hand horse, right? So, so those littler ones are trickier to get hold of. Right. You know what I mean? So they those ones, now they pay attention for them. And that little Suki horse, like I got that horse that she was, she was great, but she hadn't, I didn't have to do a redo because she hadn't done anything, right? right? She just kind of was ready to go. And then we just started training her right into that and then off she went. And so we've got a couple of people right now that are doing that off the track thoroughbred challenge, Yeah. right? I think you guys have that going down in the States. Yeah. And they're going to, at our equivalent in Saskatchewan, they're going to demo these two horses next year um, that they had taken off the track into polo. Like they had taken them off the track, sorry, and they're going to put them in the polo cross demonstration for everybody to grade um, and see how they've had done that kind of, not a crossover challenge, but just kind of moving them into a different vein after they come out of racing. So we do support that and they do support us. And we're usually, our booth is close to theirs at our demo at the main event and they're always in touch with us i like i talk to those guys a lot and they offer like we have um they provide gifts and donations and stuff for the best playing thoroughbred and stuff like that so they are they're very supportive as well of what we're doing but the thoroughbred horses like those they're just heart and lungs with legs hanging out of them right (laughs) yeah they do they really are like they're they just have so much try right yeah and my stock horses, I'm just new to them. I'm weaning off my thoroughbreds and moving on to my stock horses. I've got three of them now. They're all uh, Stonebrook Finos. Yep. And all from different mums, but they're, yeah, it, they're all, they're funny. They're very funny and they're very smart. They're so they, very smart. So they're all first cross, right? Or- uh, no, but I have two, the two geldings are purebreds. Oh, so who did you breed yeah. cross with? I mean, who did you? Well, that was thankful to Charlie Grills. When okay. Charlie Grills was here with the President's Eight, he came with a full team to pound on us. I mean, play against us. <laughs> and uh, that would have been in 2005. And my teammate at that point, Pam Bergen, had just gotten this off-the-track thoroughbred named Twiggy. And she was a handful. But Charlie started working on that horse. So Charlie and Pam they trained that horse and uh, finished it off. And he loved that horse. So when we started importing um, finno semen, well, we being Jackie, he sent a breeding over to put in Twiggy because he liked uh-huh. the horse so much. And I got the baby. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe that my friend Pam had decided to sell her. But she just said, you're still playing. You you know what oh, the horse that's... is. And she offered her up to me. And I was like, oh, my Goodness, I was so excited. I almost caught on fire. I'm like, okay, well, whatever, and, you know, selling the rest of these horses because I need this horse. Because now at least Steve's on the same page as me now. <laughs> so it's a little bit easier to get things done, you know what I mean? Trying right. to hide horses is hard, Ryan. <laughs> so we've got these stock horses. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's where all of us will be playing those this year. Steve, Evan, and I will be How old are they now? You said you have three of, you said you have three of them? <laughs> How old are they? Yep, eight and nine. Okay. Yep, the two boys are eight and the mare is nine. And they're bay, right? They're all bay. Yes. Good. 
I like beige. That's the appropriate Oh my color. good grief. Yeah. Don't tell my, I do have my favorite horse tie and it definitely has nothing to do with her color because I would have painted her if I could. <laughs> but she's a liver chestnut, but I tell her that she's a bay, so she thinks she is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Horses. So you're, um, so how is it different with the stock horses compared to the thoroughbreds? I mean, just your experience. Ugh. Do you know what? They are so, it's, I can't even say it enough. They're so smart. It's unbelievable. Oh, like they yeah. are so smart. It blows my mind. And you can see it. Like, you know, when you look at somebody when they're, you're talking to them and you can tell they're thinking about something, you can, if you're looking at them, you can see them thinking about it. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Like the last one, Twiggy, we named the, the horse's name is Charlie. I was going to register as, as Yahoo Charlie Grill. <laughs> and he thought that was hilarious. But uh, her name's Charlie and she can, she unties everybody. Part of the reason why Pam couldn't have her is because they've started her and her girls are rodeoing oh. and they can't take Charlie anywhere because <laughs> she's too much of a pain because <laughs> rodeo horses stay tied to the trailer right Charlie doesn't stay tied to anything <laughs> Char- Charlie doesn't stay anywhere and she do- does everything that you can possibly imagine it's absolutely mind-boggling like when Prissy Remmel was here Prissy said she tied the horse up and she said, oh, I just love this horse. And she ties her up. And I said, oh, you can't just tie her like that. I said, it's, this horse can do a Rubik's cube. And so she said, oh, I'll fix her then. And so she ties this fancy knot. And the horse just, you could tell that strange look on her face with the, are you kidding me? So she sits there and she pulls on every loop and every string. And she, I knew that she had her. Right beside it was the bridle hook holding the bridle. And Charlie got angry, grabbed the bridle and threw it seven feet away. <laughs> And Prissy's trying to talk to us and coach us. And she just said, did that horse just throw the bridle across the sidewalk? I'm like, yes, because you can't undo the knot that you just did. Oh, they, they, that's typical. Yeah. They try so much. I mean, they, they're so smart. They, they test you. I mean, I, I, my horses, if you try to get away from the barn, they'd be like, no, we're not going for the bar. So you had to spin them away. And, and then Joy Poole is famous for saying with stock horses, you have to ask them to do it, not tell them to do it. Meaning they're just so smart and they can do it. And rather than taking away their spirit, just let them be and just guide them. And they're just like, they just happen to be hardy and great feed and all that stuff. But they're, they're, they're really, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Cause they yeah. are, they are a bit of a handful. Like Evan is, very nice and he does not have an electric seat like you he has a evan has a cigar smoking seat with a martini in one hand and a cigar in the other hand and but he's also been riding these thoroughbreds that are really up on their toes and ready to go and ready to go and ready to go and his horse now boomerang he just has a boomerang now the now the boy comes up with excuses for the horse Boomerang, he's tired. I'm like, he is not tired. He has just decided that, mm, you know what, this isn't any fun anymore. And he just checks out every once in a while. So he does need to have, he does need a little bit of focus training because right. he definitely, he, and not in a, not, he's not naughty, but just in a, hmm, seems kind of boring to me. Right. And probably gets that from Evan naturally because that's Evan. If it's not a lot of fun, then he kind of does the same thing. So it's like now that I have two of them, one riding the other one. <laughs> oh that's awesome but evan was young enough that he knows that we met a romanian fella who couldn't even speak english and they're very fussy about horses and so evan this stuck with evan that you're they believe that you're supposed to have certain 
amount of white or certain no color no this you can't have baldies no blue eyes nothing like that right you know like we have the old cowboy and old wives tales they have yeah. the old gypsy tale and that stuck with evan you don't ever buy a horse to even colored feet you buy a three foot white or a one foot white that's it so as soon as evan saw those two boys that's why he's like i'll take him why because he only has one white foot i'm like evan do you really believe that yes <laughs> my horse only has one one white foot so maybe that maybe there's See? something to that there's the be- they're supposed to be the best ones odd, stock odd white feet yeah who knows who knows so you play in the section okay so let's talk okay this is going to be a weird question but describe evan to our listeners describe your son well poor evan came into this like he didn't have a hope he was going to be a pole cross player regardless so this is how you train them right <laughs> it was three right yeah three at the first world cup yeah. yep he was three at the first world cup but leading into that like he was already holding a racket in the basement and we were chucking balls around in the basement and he just never stopped playing with his racket ever not even once and he just grew up right through pole, like very, he's well-spoken and he's very kind and everybody likes him. And he is used to dealing with adults, having, he played right. pole cross for all along. The biggest problem when, when you're a youngster learning how to play pole cross in Canada, for sure, is trying to find a horse that can play pole cross that is short enough for said person to reach ground. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's the task. And you don't think of that, right? And he had a full-size racket until I went to the World Cup and got one of those little stubby ones, yeah. which now they call trick sticks, but they, they're just, they used to be just little stubby rackets, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I brought one of those little stubby rackets and he could really fire it with that. But now he really can't touch the ground. So I had a friend that I played pole across with early. Oh, he played in the first World Cup, Dave Melnick. And he had a, a roan. Like, I don't even know what kind of horse, just like a grade moon horse. But he was a short little guy, about 14-1 or something like that. And that's who Evan played for the first bit of his career. And so he just kind of went as he got taller. I'm sorry to say, but unlike everybody else, you're watching the marking the side of the wall to see, oh, gosh, he's soon going to be able to reach the ground off this horse. Right. (laughs) But his racket skills, because he just played the whole time on the ground, his racket skills were so fantastic. And they still are. Yeah. he practices all the dumbest shots you can possibly imagine <laughs> yeah. that people think that he misses a shot. And I'm thinking, did you look at the shot he tried to take? It's stupid. <laughs> so if you, so if you, does he, what position does he prefer to play? That says a lot about a person. You know what? He, funny enough, he's always pigeonholed into one because of his racket skill. As a youngster, he used to like playing one and he doesn't like playing one now. But he, just like kind of what happened to me going into it, when you, I got pigeonholed into a two and because we were quickly trying to train and were invited to go to the World Cup, that was it. I was right. a two, the end, and I didn't get to learn. I'm now playing three and yes, it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Right? And so yeah. now Steve, Evan wants to play that now, right? Evan right. wants to play three. He likes playing two and he's very effective at getting the ball and he wants to learn to play the other positions. But the problem is that his racket skills keep sticking them out the front. Yeah, but do you even need racket skills to play one? I mean, you're just throwing it through the, the post. It's not, it can't be that hard, especially with the overarm, <laughs> right? Especially with the overarm. So his, oh yeah. my God. So I, I I rarely get to play one, and it's because I play a three. So I think his racket skills will be much better served out the back, picking up the ball. Being, you know, you can be a hero. Well, you know what? Day. When we have another interview, I'm going to tell you. Because while the three of us are beating the smithereens out of each other out on the field in our yard, I'm going to be able to tell you. Oh, yeah, you know what? That worked out really good. He is a 
terrible menace while I'm trying to play one. <laughs> he's, I'll tell you what, though, he's going to have to work on that electric seat if that's going to happen. There'll yeah. be no pipe smoking because his fancy racket skills aren't going to score the goal. <laughs> he's going to have to get an electric seat to get to the ball. <laughs> and, and you told me recently that, you know, that Steve's really come on and he's played a lot. So tell me about that. When did he start oh playing? Oh, my gosh. When was that? When did that really start? I know he was playing when I was there in uh, Seven 09. years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Like he was, he, I could get him to, he liked horses and he wasn't a rider, but he was a hockey player and that really served well. And so we always took our racks, like you were talking about you and your sister, when we went camping, when we went on holidays, that was kind of, that was something we took and the three of us just chucked the ball around, you know, before or after dinner. So he had good racket skills too. And then he hopped on. The key is finding a horse. This is important. This is important for you to remember, Ryan. The horse that you want is not going to serve your wife well. Right. So you go and buy. The horse must be at least 17 years old. Yep. <laughs> and everybody in the entire planet has to have played it already. Yeah. If if you don't have to wear spurs on the horse, that's the wrong horse. Right. You buy a horse that you have to wear spurs on. Think just like your parents bought your first horse, right? right? Your horse, if you have to wear spurs on it, the possibilities of you making it run away are almost impossible. <laughs> so Rosie had played and she has got a lot of best horse uh, awards and she has won a lot of polo cross and she came from a polo grip polo background and I'll never forget because I bought the horse and I had told Pam I also got that horse from Pam but as I had played it once before when we were younger and I said to Pam if you ever decide to sell that horse I want that horse that's how I get horses you tell them like 17 years before they finally decide to give them to you right and so finally she decided to sell the horse because her the horse pulled back same story with the rodeo you can't have a horse that pulls back because it you just can't watch them tied to the trailer Right. So Rosie ended up up for sale and I end up with the horse and I'm thinking this is going to be perfect. And it was like, we still have Rosie and Steve thinks that she was made of clouds. Her name is Rosie. Her last, her title is the red rocket. <laughs> and so Rosie enter Rosie. She's so good that Steve learned how to ride and play at the same time because oh the horse gosh. has the good stop and the good turn and stuff like that. So he had to really try hard and accidentally to get her to move. Yeah. And so what, once he could really play, like he went all the way to B grade on and Rosie is now 29 years old. Oh my gosh. And he wrote her yesterday. That's not who he plays, but we, right. we just make sure that she's still in work so that she doesn't atrophy and shrivel up like a prune. Right. But that's the key is making sure that they start on those good, good, good horses. But we went skiing one day, and don't you think somebody says to Steve, who is riding up the chairlift with other friends that are polo players, oh, Leslie got you a nice husband horse. <laughs> Steve gets off that, gets off, skis down the hill, meets me, and says, what is a husband horse? I was like, uh-oh. I said, who said that to you, Julia? I said, Rosie is a husband horse. It means that I love you enough that I want you to live and so I bought you a special husband horse. <laughs> oh, the end. Yeah. And he never looked back and he they like he he plays well, really, really well now. Positionally for the hockey background. Yeah. It's like playing three on three pond hockey, right? So what, there's less people. So you really know where you have to be. So as a hockey player, he's obviously very competitive. So where, mm -hmm. where what happens there? I mean, there's a there's a lot of emotions with polo cross. So 
if you had to describe the emotions between you, Evan, and Steve, what's going on there out in the field? There's a lot of things going, a lot of things. Insert going. grimace here. <laughs> the boys are like total cool cucumbers. Okay. Evan and Steve. Evan is the chillest one. Steve yep. is a little more likely to get a little amped up, but still not so much. Me, as I know you know, not so much. I'm with that. Get it in there. Stop really farting around. <laughs> Stop yelling at me or I'm not playing with you ever again. Oh, so I'm the one who's always in trouble. Oh, so okay. I just let them I just let them do whatever the hell they want. There's no coaching. <laughs> Chrissy had to fix Steve's rising trot. He, and that only happened last year. So Steve's been riding for seven years, rising on the incorrect diagonal, which as a pony clever hurts my feelings. Right. Yeah. He did. He learned the leads easy and fast, but that the diagonal not at all but prissy fixed it in 15 minutes really i mean yeah. what, was he singing a tune just was in case you don't know <laughs> well well prissy has this way i mean she's just um she can just you know she'll get you to focus and she doesn't mess around so besides, she does like, have a way and you know what she said you go away from us <laughs> <laughs> you're you're a bad so I don't aura. Know what, yeah, so I don't know what she said to him, but Bazinga, he could now do a rising trot. Oh my god. On gosh. the correct diagonal. Because <laughs> I've tried to teach a rising trot up, down, up, down, sing this song, sing that song, and oh my god. Well, you're going to have to ask Prissy Rummel because obviously she's a skilled professional at teaching it because she, of course, came right back to me and said, hmm, see, 15 minutes. <laughs> He's oh, funny. God bless. Yeah. So what's next? I mean, you said there's only 40 players in Canada. You're still trying to get new players, but what? Yep. Where are you at right now, and what's your plan? Or do you have a? You know what? It's just I'm just still hoping that I try to keep uh, I try to keep our tournament in the same location, and I've moved our tournament up a little bit farther up in northern Alberta in hopes that some of those people, those 4-H people, come out right. to our tournament. And I mean, that's all I can do. I'm teaching so many clinics, and I always send out the invitation to them to come. But I think you probably have the same problem there that we have here. It's very – and you now have a, a wife who's just will be starting out right. playing this someday, right? It's very hard to describe to people – what your lowest level, which you guys have lower levels and Australia has even lower levels, right? It's very difficult to explain to them that it doesn't go from the top to the bottom. It goes from the bottom to the top. Right. So if your wife is playing, obviously she's playing at the bottom. Right. That is a very tricky thing because then you have all the people who want to do it more as a fun situation wanting to sandbag down in that lowest level. Right. Which then you have, let's say it's me, burning around in circles around your wife who still doesn't know what she's doing and trying to explain that. People have a, I've only been playing for two years. Of course I should be a D or an E. <laughs> well, this guy is getting on their horse and hasn't played for one day. Right. Yeah. So obviously that is the actual person. So that, I think, at the bottom part is the part, because all of these people, if they were ever to come, that's who's playing in the bottom, not the people who've been playing for one or two years. Right. So I'm still working on trying to get everybody to the dang tournament, right? Right. And that's what made me think that if I can do that um, 4-H challenge where you can get these not formal groups out to just come and play, I'm trying to do that in Saskatchewan as well because a friend that, again, that I, he's from Australia and I met through Polecross and he was going to teach clinic in Saskatchewan. 
We've been thick as thieves ever since we met. And he has a good facility over at his end, which is like nine hours straight east of me. And I just said, just, I went and did a clinic for him. 20 people showed up, but he can't make anything happen there. But the problem is you have to keep hosting it the same day every week or every second week or whatever at the same place. And sooner or later, somebody's going to be free. It's going to be a nice day. And they're going to go, you know what? Let's go and try that. We've been meaning to go and do it all along. Let's go and try that. But you have to be consistent. And I I think that what happens is people make a mistake of nobody's coming. So we're not, we can't do it that weekend. Nobody's coming. So we're not doing it that weekend. No one's coming because we're not doing that weekend. And the possibility of lining that up is almost impossible. Right. Right. So I just try to keep it consistent and I will start having more camp weekends to try and meet us here. If you live in whatever area, come and meet us there. We're going to horse around, actually horse around right? and and learn how to play polo cross and then have a mock tournament or mock play day the next day. So that's what I'm, that's what my plan is for this year. If we ever get to play polo cross. Right. Other than that, me and the boys, me screaming, boys running, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to work. I'm not really even a bad screamer. I just have, I'm, uh, I will tell you that I'm not very patient. So I definitely am the, if you're the one, score the damn goal. Don't right. twirly, 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 do a dressage freaking uh, test Hot in the end zone. Yeah. Just freaking zing her in and let me get the lineup. I'll try again. Right. Right. And so that's my screaming is when there's some fiddly farting happening. That's one. I'm, I have low tolerance for fiddly farting. That's all. <laughs> fiddly farting. That's in, yeah. There's a, you're going to write a book called Fiddle Farters. <laughs> Um, exactly <laughs> oh my gosh i taught a clinic last year and that's what i said to them i called them barbaras don't be a barbara <laughs> i know that's going to show up at pms don't be a barbara so if you're floating around out there and there's nobody beside you your first question should be am i a barbara <laughs> the answer is yes because you aren't doing anything right now oh we're gonna start a hashtag barbara <laughs> Don't be a barber. It's kind of like we have this website called People of Walmart, which is these pictures of people yes. at Walmart. But yes. I think we can do something similar with Barbara Polo Cross or something. And it's just there's no question. Just one person out there, la di da. I have barbered myself. I'm not gonna lie, I have done the Barbara. <laughs> where with the ball, sadly, you know, where you're just like, why is nobody on me? Holy crap! I'm going the wrong way. Whatever, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna notice the barbara now you're gonna be noticing it and you're gonna go what is that person doing over there ah barbara That's barbara <laughs> well see i am not i don't think i'm cool anymore because um i'm just so old but i'm trying to start something called the quiver where you take your racket and you put oh, it boy. in your shirt right the head of the racket's right above your head or behind your head and your hands free yeah. you can do things you can stretch you can, you know, whatever you got to do, you can fix your girth or whatever. Your racket is in the quiver. You do not have to be holding it at that moment. And I've tried it. I've done it, but I'm just not cool anymore. So I've got to find someone that's cool, half my age, that's willing to do it. So that's another thing. Barbara and the quiver. We're, it's all up to us. I'm going to tell you, Ryan, that you did expose the quiver on the dreaded weekend of the runaway horse. Yes. And I still have it on video. Oh. I'll send it to you if you'd like it. Oh, yeah. There's proof of that. Yeah. So th- that there was the origin. That was the or. We can always yep. say it started way back when. Yep. On the, sure on- did. <laughs> 
Um, okay, yep. so I think this has been great. I think we got a lot of good stuff here. People are going to really enjoy this and they're going to get a lot out of it because you're you're not just uh, someone that's had experience with the World Cup. You're a club leader. You're a, you're a mom. You know, you're a horse breeder, you know, horse nut. Oh, I am not a horse breeder. I'm a horse collector, for God's sake. Yeah, true, <laughs> true, true. But, but you're collecting the right ones at this point. I mean, true, you're a sophisticated true. horse collector. Uh, last question. What is a good... Uh, song that you're listening to recently that we should all check out oh, or is there man. or is there a band that you're just like i don't know i don't care what decade what are you listening to now oh my gosh you have no idea how terrible i am at that i am so eclectic i don't accept country i do not listen to country music okay. sorry country people well taken you know what I I'm not listening to anything really particular right now. Okay. Well, not let me all. suggest let me suggest Ryan Bingham. He's more of a yep. full guy, but it's a little country. Oh, I'm good for that. Okay. Yeah, I'm so good for Ryan is good. I'm good with that. Check out Ryan yep. Bingham. I'm telling you, it's gonna change your life. Phenomenal. There is a show oh. called Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. He's actually on the yep. show. I don't know if you know what that that if you've seen that show on Paramount. Well, I haven't yet. No. Ryan Bingham, phenomenal. He's been around. He's been popular for about ten years, but uh, great. So hopefully, people on the, listening to the podcast check him out. Nice. I poured one more Bundy, and we're gonna do a toast. Here's to you. Oh, this is great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anything? I think you got one of those special treatments at a Pong tournament in my days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should definitely not talk about anything that happened. But um, <laughs> it was a lot of, I'd say, peacocking, right? There's a lot of peacocking going on. Yeah, it's pretty puffy. <laughs> pretty puffy in the basement that day. Well, that's a whole other sport. We, that's a whole other podcast. It is. Oh, yes, it sure is. What, what would we name the podcast for that? <sighs> Oh. All I know for sure is I still am the worst Pong player that ever Ponged in Pongville. <laughs> I'm so terrible at it. Oh, my goodness. All right. I, well. Obviously, I couldn't even hit the broadside of a barn. Ah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's why I'm a two. Oh, you've been pigeonholed. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Get back to whatever you were doing. I appreciate your time. We'll do another one for sure. Um, Absolutely. But say hi to everyone for me. Thanks a lot. Anything you want to add? Anything? Nope. Keep it up. You do have a voice for radio. I'm not going to not going to oh, lie. Oh, thank you. I don't know what that means. Yeah. There's lots of people listening to it. I have new friends in Saskatchewan, obviously, and they, they're listening to it and they love it. Ah, uh, well. Like I told you, I phoned you right away. It's like, I love it. You sound great. And it's nice listening to what everybody's doing during this time, right? Well, here's the thing. I've been involved with Polo Cross over 30 years and I've come in contact yeah. with people like you, Leslie. I swear to God, there are, there are people that you come across that are just, they're on your wavelength. They're great people. They lead clubs. They're just fun to be around. They're magnetic. So the, it's the people that I'm talking to that I just, I'm so old that I just happen to know all these people. Um, I'm just so lucky to know people like you. So that I want to thank you for that, uh, for just being you. I can't wait till we see each other again. I know that, uh, I don't know when that's going to be, maybe stateside. I don't know, maybe we'll get up there. I told my wife, I said, anytime you want, she wants to go to Banff. That's on the bucket list for her. See? So it, we've got the carrot there. We just, Perfect. I just said we have to combine it with Polo Cross. And I think she's fine with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Absolutely. That would be awesome. And thank you. I feel exactly the same way. I was happy. I've enjoyed talking to you since day one. It's just like comfortable and easy. Yep. All right. Well, thanks a lot. You have a good day. So hi to Steve and Evan for me and good luck with the stock horses. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, kind sir. All right. Have a good day. Have a great day. Cheers. All righty.
Bye now. Bye. Cheers. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode. What a time it was for me to laugh so hard with Leslie. Pull Across is a global love affair, leading us to amazing friendships and opportunities unimaginable otherwise. For more Pull Across coaching, go to pullacrossmadesimple.com. You'll find ebooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time, have a good one. Thanks.